Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. Nice. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. It is not going very well. Scotland are not from two in the Six Nations, not from eight if you include the ladies and the under-20s. And Finn Russell ain't bloody coming back anytime soon. It's 7.30 in the morning. Welcome to the breakfast show. Alan, how are you, bud? Yeah, I'm all right. It's probably a bit down about the rugby and then Storm Kyra blew down my fence. Oh, the fence. The fence. <laughs> it did look bleak, the fence. Yeah, mate, it's a massive fence. <laughs> did you did you manage to fix it in the end? No, I have to pay for a new fence. <laughs> and the woman next door is like 90 and doesn't understand what's going on, so I'm going to have to pay for like the whole thing, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> Tough times. And yeah. Matt, how are you, buddy? Not too bad. I think I've dried out from the weekend. Yeah. It's pretty wet windy affair have you been one of those little ponchos in the front row at murrayfield i was luckily on the second tier so i was covered it actually wasn't that bad in the second tier no it wasn't cheap that cool for you eh oh, west stand i was northwest i've never actually sat there before i had a very good sort of diagonal view behind the post very good view of the uh very the expansive game of rugby yeah well i got that Stuart hog bit oh yeah uh, that bit yeah which it, is terrifying we had some friends in there in the front seats, and it sounded like maybe one of the most miserable experiences of all time. C- coming up to my seats and seeing everyone in those ponchos, I was like, oh my word, <laughs> this looks terrible. And then they actually had to play rugby in it as well. I know. So I know. Uh, we are going to get into all of the Calcutta Cup, review our thoughts on that, and obviously discuss that interview that Finn Russell's given to the Sunday Times uh, this weekend, really stirring the pot up nicely. Um, but you have obviously been chatting to us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, uh, the mailbag, the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com, and Martin Compson from Line of Duty engaged with us on Instagram. <laughs> so if you want to get with Compson, get over on Instagram. That is Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. Wait, what was his comment again? <laughs> it was sort of like obviously our content is essentially talking about the plight of being a Scottish rugby mm. fan, and his comment was, at least you're still Scottish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
uh, from accompanying, sent, sent accompanying from, a photo yeah. of him in line of duty. Also, yeah, sent from Las Vegas. He's like, at least you're still Scottish. <laughs> 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 All right. So get on there. Thistle understroke rugby understroke pods. Um, any news? Johnny Gray's out for the rest of the Six Nations. So let's get the good news yes. out of the way. With a sort of unspecific hand injury. Unspecific hand injury, yeah. Good. But, in Glasgow, was signed someone called Gaston. Yes, Gaston. <laughs> Gaston something. I don't even know his second name. Cortez. Cortez. I think he's Argentinian. He sounds like he can scrummage. Yeah. Someone called Gaston Cortez. You've got to be able to scrummage if you're called that. Yeah. He's like 34 and no one's ever heard of him. So. <laughs> typical, <Probably not>. gla- <laughs> typical, <laughs> typical Glasgow signing these days yeah. then, really. <laughs> Probably not then. Um, should we get... Should we After two weeks of teasing, should we give the SRU news as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. Um, it's actually it's just, we're talking about how anticlimactic this is. <laughs> we got an email from an SRU insider saying that Saracens had tapped up the SRU to see if they wanted Maitland to take Maitland and Duncan Taylor off their books. They wanted five fifty for Maitland and three fifty for Duncan Taylor. Five fifty for Maitland. So that would make Maitland the highest paid Scottish player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely no dice. To be fair, I, it just makes me think that Maitland must be on 550 grand at Saracens. And Saracens are like, how do you feel about leaving? And he's like, get me the same salary and I'm happy to go. <laughs> yeah. Same with Duncan Taylor as well. They must just be like, look, we're happy to leave if mm. you can g- get us yeah, the yes. same salary. I am on the record of being a big fan of Duncan Taylor. I'm not sure I would pay £350,000 a year for him. You need some massive injury clauses in there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a going rate for someone like him in the Premiership, particularly yeah. if you don't give a shit about the salary cap. Yeah, Boy, yeah. particularly <laughs> that. I think that's the Duncan uh, Taylor's like three fifty or two hundred plus, sort of like an auto part centre in Murrayfield. Obviously, sharing the quick fit. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You've waited two weeks for it. I hope we haven't. Um, I hope we haven't disappointed on that. Um, should we start with Finn? Yeah, chilled out entertainer Finn Russell gives interview to the Sunday Times. Um, he doesn't look like he's um, feeling too bad about the current situation. Provocative. It is a provocative photo. It's a very provocative photo. It's sort of like wide-legged, staring at the camera. It's just like kicking back on a sofa whilst saying it's me or the head coach of Scottish rugby. Make a choice. Yeah. I just think once again, it's... And then, obviously, with Townsend coming out yesterday, it just seems as if there genuinely is no communication between the two. And they're effectively trying to give each other messages through the press and through the public. So let's go back. What what do you think about Finn's decision to do that interview two games into the Six Nations? And then what do you think of the content? I guess, firstly, you can say at least he waited till after the first yes. two games of the Six Nations. Um, although... You could say he could also wait till the end of the Six Nations to do this sort of piece. Yeah. Content-wise, like, I I don't know. I guess you don't know exactly what's happening behind, obviously, closed doors. And I felt like it was an interesting article, and it, it does come across that he feels like he needs to get his point of view across to the public because it it's been very much kind of an SRU-led message yeah. for the last yeah. two weeks. It just feels throughout the whole article there is just an absence of humility and kind of nuance to what he's saying. And I kind of think that it is the sort of article that you will look back on in three or four years and be like, 
that probably wasn't the right move. Yeah, I think, as you say, the sentiment. And I think that he's sort of at pains to say it, it wasn't about alcohol. Yeah. When it kind of, it kind of, it seems like it was because that was linked to the standards that the SRU has, yeah. has set. And fair enough, maybe if he wasn't part of that senior players meeting because he was in France, I think that was sort of his gripe about the two beer yes. rule. I, I do, I do agree with that. I do also think it's at that stage, but lads, I wasn't really consulted here, but fair enough. Let's, you know, can we, can we come back to this tomorrow morning? Yeah. But clearly it's sort of the culmination of, you know, quite a few events or, or the way he's been feeling for a while. I think in terms of like sort of, and I think he also said that um, they decided that their only real night out would be after the final match. Calcutta Cup. Sorry, after the Calcutta Cup. Um, and he said, well, I've got to go back to France the next day. And it's, it's like, well, you made the decision to go to France. Like, it, you can still go out on a Saturday and yeah, get a plane on a Sunday. Exactly. If Racing is such a sort of chilled out environment, as he's saying, like, you know, you could still do that. And you knew all these things full well when you were going to France that you wouldn't get as much rest and as much sort of control yes. as under the SOU. I think the whole thing just came across to me is that he's like, he's obviously quite headstrong and he's getting, he's getting an awful lot of input down at Racing. I mean, ultimately, he's saying that the coaches should do exactly what he says, not so that they should really listen to him on the pitch, and he the standards should be set to how he wants them. And if that's not the case, well, I think no, he, he no, is insinuating it should be how the players should set the standards. Yeah, mm. and the players have. He just disagrees with them. I guess they've set some standards off the pitch. Yeah. But he's saying that he thinks players should be given more reign to kind of control mm. and input into what the kind of approach is on the pitch. But ultimately, the, the head coach, is, the buck's got to stop somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. he's gone onto the front page and it made the front of the book. Like people that don't follow Scottish rugby, mm. it's on the front page of the Sunday Times. You know, Finn Russell is now, you know, you can't expect, I think, to go on the front page of a news, national newspaper and then... I think a lot of people were saying, why have the SRU gone back? I mean, like, Finn's gone into the national press and called Townsend, you know, controlling bastard that he's got no personality and no relationship with. Mm. I don't see how, as a national coach during a Six Nations, you can't go back. Now, you can get into the details of the statement or whatever it was, but I thought it was he was trying to de-escalate it, Townsend, whilst also making sure that he had yeah. put his point across. That the um, I'm just trying to think back to when a similar thing like this has happened in international rugby union and i i really can't like may, maybe someone like you've got a few guys who were on the fringes of a squad like who were sort of maybe seen as problem children like yeah. cipriani or maybe yeah. even gavin henson who probably were forthright in their views but kind of the, never, fr the french players with Livermore. yeah possibly but that was like a more a group thing but i just i really struggled to see another example is someone with a player who is you know like a guaranteed first pick who's so important to that team you know coming out and and, and behaving this way yeah i mean i think it i don't know finn russell at all but i think it is quite illustrative of the type of bloke he is and i think just even the stuff he said you know this isn't about the boys or you know the timings and i i, I do take that into uh consideration he has, whether he likes it or not, lobbed an absolute grenade into the middle of that squad. Mm. Not just by walking out, but by doing that interview and saying things like, oh, all the lads hate Gregor too, but they just don't say it because they're on the SRU books. You know, like, they're all thinking. I mean, that may be true, may not be true, but you think they've still got to go back into camp in five days' time. <laughs> yeah. 
They've yeah. still got to face up to Greg Townsend. They've still got to play Italy mm. and Wales and France before the end of this week. And, you know, that is now in everyone's head that there's disunity in the camp. And that has been publicly lobbed in by Finn Russell. So whether he cares about the boys or not, he ha- is having monumental impact on their, um, on like the mental state of that, that mm. squad, mm. surely. Com- completely agree. And it just, it just feels like ultimately there was a, if as a senior player, if you want to influence how that team is kind of operating both on and off the pitch, it just feels like doing it via the senior leadership team and doing it whilst you're in the inner circle is mm. just a much better way of doing it rather than sort of lobbing grenades from the outside. Yeah. But, um, and maybe, but maybe Finn Russell is the only guy that's really having major disagreements with, with Townsend. Within the scene, because it seems as if the senior group have kind of rallied behind. Maybe I'm sort of reading so much into it. It's hard. It's hard to know, right? Because ultimately, as I said, so many of the players are signed up to the SOU. Mm. So many of the players who are potentially coming to the end of the career know that so much that whether they want to coach or whether they want to get into punditry, a lot of it is kind of in the gift of the in, SOU. In the gift of the SOU, right? Mm. So it's kind of a hard one to, you know, it's not like England where I think you you've got so much more scope to kind of go out and kind of attack the RFU um because the clubs are so separate. And I think you know, potentially there's been sort of hints like I know people like Dunbar have <laughs> he's even been like liking some stuff on Twitter and I know you don't want to kind of take that as, you know, mm. liking something on Twitter isn't you completely yeah, agree yeah, or something, yeah. right? Obviously James Downey sort of said comments about what um Tooney was like as a coach and obviously he's removed far enough removed from the mm. setup to be able to mm. say something so I don't think it's as black and white as that I think that clearly Tooney has issues with players yeah. which I'm just there's another aspect to that I'm really you know if this is true that he has relationship issues with players and that as Finn said in that interview that his way of playing rugby is very data-based statistics-based there's a lot of kicking in it there's yeah. a lot of detail I just find that surprising and actually sort of quite disappointing yeah and it was interesting where like Vern seems to be like like this is our kind of setup and then you Mm. guys just do what you want yeah which was kind of an interesting that's kind of how Mm. he approached the kind of rugby I've got got an interesting kind of um, hypothetical question for you if on the 23rd of August Saracens have been put in to play Racing on a Saturday do you think any of this ever happens so if Saracens, so mm-hmm. if Saracens play Racing on the Saturday instead of the Sunday, do you think any of this happens? Because I, I actually don't. What? So in, in that situation, Finn Russell would flies up on the Saturday, goes out with the boys, and then he's like more chilled on the Sunday night. Yeah, or he goes out in London that night with, he goes out in like St Albans with Sean Maitland and Duncan Taylor. I don't know. I just, I just. I, I think this is one of these, like, it's almost like a butterfly effect where like something small has happened and then actually you've got to a point where everyone's like, well, how has it actually gone this far? Well, I think it was coming. I think that it's like the culmination of things. And I, the secret source was saying to us that this was sort of similar to the behavior that maybe Finn was exhibiting in the World Cup. Yeah, we have heard from Or, or at least that. that there was a tension between Townsend and, yeah. and Russell. So but I think the the flare up point of the Sunday beers after he'd been playing would it have gone through the Six Nations possibly? Yeah, I mean I I don't know. It just 
it feels like in three or four years' time, both the SOU and FinRoss are going to look back on this and just be like, how did we ever get it to this point where Finn's doing an, an article in the Times, the SOU are putting out YouTube videos when there has to have been a better way to have dealt with this internally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and to try and manage those disagreements within the squad and within the senior leadership yeah. group. I think I, I think that's the most important point. Yeah. I think no one no one's looking good. I think Scottish rugby looks like a fucking joke. Accumulatively over the last eighteen months, oh Scottish rugby. Yeah. There hasn't been a good there hasn't been a good news story in Scottish rugby for a long time. When was the good when was the last good news story? I can't I literally can't even, I don't think there has been one for pumped, maybe pumped, a year and a half. Pumped Russia? <laughs> we did pump Russia to be fair. Like I do, I think I do think and I think a lot is made of the Keith Keith Russell affair and I think it obviously can't be discounted from it but I think if you go back to that 2 years which pretty much about 2 years ago that um wrongful dismissal case came mm-hmm. out and then there was this sort of all of the stuff around the NDAs and then there was all the stuff yeah. leading up to the World Cup and then the Hagabis and then everything after that and then yeah the governance review governance review everything there I think unfortunately public trust in Scotland in the SOU is at sort of an all-time low yeah and ultimately when this kind of stuff comes out it leads to a lot of people immediately blaming the SOU yeah I also think naturally you are inclined to back Finn because Finn is you know the maverick guy who's given us amazing yeah, memories he's a, he's of a watching hero. him and you love watching him and he does all these things but you know, do you take him absolutely at his word and what his side of the story on Sunday? Probably not, or certainly I don't. I mean, I think it's probably somewhere in between. I think um, he, I think he believes fully in what he's saying. I mean, to not go back into the squad and sort of feels it seems as if he's not offered that olive branch. You know, he must really believe in what he's saying. Yeah, but it's whether he's sort of it's based in reality or whether he's sort of convinced himself of a general sort of feeling towards him. I think, I think we know the solution. Bring back Vern. <laughs> it's time for Vern Cotter. Forget we about Fiji. We weren't even that good under Vern though. Bring well, back Vern. Townsend has a better win percentage than Vern. Yeah. Marginally. Yeah, but Vern doesn't have that like kind of like steely Kiwi glare. That, that is true. Everyone yeah. loves. <laughs> everyone loves and fears in equal measure. 100%. Yeah. I do love the fact that people. there's a lot of people being like, yeah, we need to get like a new coach in that Finn can work with. Cockers. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> Richard Cockerell is going to suffer any of this shit? Cockerell wouldn't pick him until he'd like apologized to yeah. Cockerell like pre this happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I wasn't here, but you should apologize to me. Yeah. Like if you're going to pick like any coach within the kind of SOU orbit that would be like even more likely to kind of have a di- not work with Finn is probably Cocker's. Cocker's backline is also going to be like Pergos, Weir, Morrison out of retirement, maybe DeLuca <laughs> out of retirement, Southwell coming back. Like, I mean, the more you talk, the more pro I'm becoming. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I don't think Donkey Weir at 10 would have been the wrong decision on Saturday. I think we might well, get onto it. We could have won the game with him, I think. Pergos and Ware, 9-10. That, that was the <laughs> 9-10 combo that was winning us the game on Saturday. Yeah. And if Tune had had the balls, <laughs> that's what he would have done. Exactly. So if we just finish off on Finn, uh, he's not coming back for this. I don't think he's coming back this Six Nations. It seems fa- a fairly massive jump to see him, um, you know, coming back under Townsend. So... Let me put you in the mind of Mark Dodson, as I like to do. Scotland, 
very realistically could only win one game this Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Italy, hopefully in two weeks' time. After crashing out of the World Cup, one win in the Six Nations. We only got, what, one win and a draw last Six Nations. Yep. Um, so not a fantastic year for Scottish rugby. And chuck into the mix that you're one global superstar, possibly two if you include Stuart Hogg, although he's doing his best to get rid of that at the moment, <laughs> is ineligible at the moment because of a fallout with mm. the head coach. Mm. Are you renewing Townsend's contract under those terms? Well, it's not renewing. He's got a contract okay, for two well, years. All right. <laughs> all right, contract lawyer. <laughs> um, Play the game. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was Stuart Barnes at the Times today saying, you know, the wooden spoon is a very real possibility. And if that happened, then Townsend should probably resign. I, th- I think if we get the wooden spoon, I, if we lose to Italy, I think he will have I to. I think he will have to go. I, I think one win against Italy, he'll still have enough credit in the bank. Do you? I just think that rugby hiring and firing is just so different to football, for instance, that I think you know, the SOU's never had much success. Give it Cocker's tender season. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think... I think if he gets that one win, he'll have done enough to stay. Even with all the off-field nonsense? Okay, you don't know what there's the squad one feels off, like. There's right. only one off-field thing, really. True. And Mark Dodson might be hearing like 10 reports and overall it paints Townsend in a favourable light. I mean, ultimately, look at the last two games. Against Ireland, we were a couple of kind of decisions away from beating Ireland... In away. Ireland, I agree. In Ireland, an Ireland team that beat Wales pro- not comfortably, but probably yeah, slightly bonus, more... Yeah, bonus point win. Bonus point win that they weren't able to do against Scotland, and Scotland took them much closer. And I actually think, broadly, I was pretty happy with how they played against Ireland. And ultimately, the game against England, it's a complete shit show no matter what. Yeah, like, it's, it's no difficult can, to analyse. No, it's difficult to analyse. So I think, actually, you know, I, I think... Tunis stock, in my eyes, is a, is a little bit up from the session from the World Cup. Yeah, from a sort of like real trough. Yeah, from a real but. trough, but I actually quite liked. Obviously, it's gutting to lose and you don't want to be the bloody kind of, you know, oh, we played well, but we lost mm. Ireland. But actually, in terms of performance, especially in terms of kind of that pack performance, it's probably the best I've seen from Scotland for a long time. Mm. I, I actually, I've come, I've come a long way since Saturday night sort of rage in the howling, <laughs> howling wind. I actually, I'm, I'm fairly minded to that, and I think yeah. it is not too far to say that Scotland could be sitting here on two wins. Like we are genuinely a couple of guddles from Stuart Hogg away from yeah. at least a draw against England. I think realistically that, could have drawn that game. Yeah, realistically, yeah, and could, and have, could won have won it on any any number mm. of. I think the the biggest issue, I think. Our pack has stepped up into the World Cup, but we're not scoring tries. Where's that gone? Well, I mean, Hogg dropped the ball over the line. That is true. He yeah. did do that. And we had the opportunities against Ireland. I think against, you know, we'll get to the England game. I think ultimately it was always going to take kind of like an unforced error to, to really kind of score. It's difficult it. to yeah. be able to score. You almost... Yeah. Are we moving on to the England game now? Yeah, let's talk, yeah. Let's talk England. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not going to do an introduction. We're already yeah, doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I think overall it was just, I think everyone should have realised about five minutes into that match that you didn't want the ball. You wanted to play territory. You wanted to give the ball to the other team and force them into mistakes. And you take the points whenever you can get them. And whenever you're in the scoring zone, you you try and build just any kind of score. And that includes three points. Yeah. 
but I feel it took Scotland quite a long time to sort of come to that realization. I think, I think that they so. played they played with the ball far too often. Do, do you remember? Have you ever seen it as bad? Weather wise, weather wise. Um, I mean, I was at that game in two thousand, and I can't really remember it, but I, I think it was pretty similar. It was yeah. horrific, and the wind was changing the whole time as well. I think two thousand. It wasn't. It wasn't nearly as windy. I think it was. It was ju- I think it was just absolutely pissing it down. Mm. But but that's the thing. I think that it was quite clear to see from the stands, at least, that it was absolutely horrendous. And you just had to go back, super basics. It's not even sticking the ball under the jumper. It's like playing territory, you know, taking advantage of the of the conditions. I agree. I, I, I don't think Scotland did that enough. And I think there were a few opportunities when I think Hastings should have gone for goal and we went into the corner. And granted, it's difficult kicks, but I felt like he was, when he did kick it, he was striking the ball quite well. So yeah, I think sort of playing the percentages, Scotland did quite poorly. Yeah, there was a couple of times that we went to the corner. I think... It took us far too long to work out that even chucking to the middle of the line out was going to be a tough shift. We got 58% return off the line out. It's difficult because I suppose Itoji and Cruz were very good in the line out. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. sort of realized totally. towards the end that they just needed to chuck someone up at the front and they'd have a good chance of spoiling it at least. Yeah. Um, but I mean. Once again, it's sort of if I go towards the positives, like it's a team fronting up. I think that there was no shortage of sort of character and and grit and and guts, and that I thought was the same against Ireland, which makes me think that you know maybe it's been player led, but those guys are pretty united as a team. That that's what I think, and I think they've obviously gotten over the Finn not being there stuff, rallied around Adam Hastings, so I think he's had two pretty decent games. Mm. I think he's not as good as Finn Russell. That's fine. But I think he has played pretty well. Mm. But I think it is clear that the squad has moved on and they're playing at least some decent rugby. I just, I just, I, I do think Finn is play, is very, very good. But I do think there is this aura that's been created around him now he's moved to Racing. Like this idea that like week in, week out, he is like tearing it up and yeah. he's like this... And I know, I guess I'm probably going against what Johnny Beattie has said, but ultimately last year got knocked out in the quarterfinals of both the top 14 mm. and the Champions Cup. Then kind of like fourth or fifth in the top 14 and they're going away to Claremont in the Champions Cup. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I just don't think Finn, I think Finn has proven that in moments he can be the best player in the world. Mm. 
I don't think he has ever really proven that he can sort of lead a team or lead and so, yeah, direct a team to to victories. Yeah, yeah. I, I think once again this game's difficult to analyze just because yeah, totally. it was a one-off in terms of the conditions. Yeah. Once again, I I I don't think that if Scotland had Finn instead of Hastings, it would have made a massive difference. The game was almost a bit of a lottery in senses. Maybe a bit more, maybe a bit more direction, but it's not exactly Russell's like favored style of game. Yeah, but then he does quite like. I think in both the games, I think everybody is thinking, oh, but Finn would probably have, you know, nutmegged somebody or chucked a triple miss and unlocked that defense in that five-meter channel. I think against England, the three, the five, the triple miss isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's so easy because you see him on highlights reels, you know, doing these little chip kicks and things like that, and you expect it. Mm. And I think because Scotland haven't scored a try. Yes. The whole question is, how does Scotland unlock defences? Just kind of lead you back to Russell a little bit. Yeah, yeah, of course. But they did, I mean, you know, they did manage to unlock the defence against Ireland. Hogg just drops the ball, unfortunately. Yeah. And the game on Saturday... You're not unlocking You, you can't blame them for not scoring a try. England scored, you know, on the back of a Scotland mistake that they yeah. capitalised on well. But, you know, once, once again... What do you think our success rate is from going to the corner and mulling it five metres out? Against England. Against any team. When's the last time we scored like a pushover mall try? Russia. Did we score a try against them? <laughs> I actually, do it I actually was, um, I'll put it on the Twitter feed. The Economist wrote an article about this after England got knocked out of the 2015 World Cup. Yeah. Analyzing the sort of like pros and cons of kicking to the corner and kicking goals. And it just said like, all stats say you should just take three points at all times. Yeah. Mm. Just, just if you're in yeah. that position, kick, kick goals. Mm. Unless you're playing Scotland. Unless you're playing Scotland. Unless you're Ireland. And you're Although England. actually, our mall defence was uh, <laughs> has been has been improved. Yes, it has. I also think, although we haven't sort of we didn't play particularly well at the weekend, and you know there were elements that were disappointing against Ireland, we haven't really had the rub of the green. No, like, like obviously Hogg making these two mistakes that. I don't know, maybe they are a bit more common occurrence than we thought. But I think, once again, there were a few quite critical refereeing decisions that went against us. It's like Kyle Sinclair ripping the ball when he was he hadn't released the guy. I was like, are you, are you joking? Why are French refs the way they are? Petition to kick out <laughs> French refs. The Kyle Sinclair one in particular was egregious. Like it was right in front of him as well. And it, uh, I was listening to the rugby pod on the way in this morning, and they were saying that, and I wasn't in the stadium, but... It was replayed. The moment was replayed on the big screen. Yeah. And he still didn't see it. And it's so... Yeah. And I thought that the Tom Curry coming in from yeah. the ball mm. was, was as bad, if not worse. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, it was just frustrating because obviously it's key moments, mm. ten, two key moments kind of 10 meters out from the England try line, both in the second half. I think, yeah. If I remember uh, correctly. You've seen, you've seen yeah. people people walk for in the, in those red zone mm. areas deliberately killing the ball or deliberately doing that sort yeah. of stuff there's yellow cards given for that yeah. on fairly regular basis once again i think it would have been you know scotland sort of labored for quite a while in the 22 once again and did pretty well yeah. to keep the ball but they're not really going anywhere in that attack i think that's where you you need a sort of an alternative of even hastings to go back in the pocket yeah. and slot 3 just put a bomb up why didn't they put a single bomb up on Fairbank? 
I know. And do it the whole game. Yeah. They, they, they seem to put more on May than That's all Fairbank. you have to do in that game. Yeah, there's a lot For, of balls Ford, going Johnny Ford May's Ford and kicked really well, I thought. Yeah. Just kick he, it in the air. It's <laughs> like minimal pressure on the fullback. He ain't catching Yeah. It. And you've made a 15-meter gain. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. <laughs> The only, um, the only bit of quality in the whole game is when Hogg got it in the backfield, dummy kicked twice, and then put yeah. that grubber in. Yeah, that was, uh, was very. Uh, that was a point where everyone was like, right. And Rory Sutherland sort of rampage yeah. just after halftime. Yeah. I don't think that's skill. I think that's just, I've sent, it's like, oh God. looped up, and this like, massive <laughs> yeah. gaps there, and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. He was getting in quite a few of the um, team of the tournaments so far in the times today. I think he has had two very good games. He was considering, the only one. <laughs> considering he's like Edinburgh's third po- third choice loose head. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's playing phenomenally well. So yeah, I guess in terms of differences, probably just lineouts and unforced errors was the big one. 21, 21 turnovers and eight lost lineouts. I actually thought our back row was pretty disappointing. I don't think that those guys did enough against. Um, Karen Underhill in particular two weeks in a row where you can probably point at the breakdown and Scotland yeah. have been second best at both mm. and you can draw a line to why we've lost games a lot of people say Fraser Brown's sort of this like third open side flanker but granted it's a game for him in the tight but I don't think we've really seen that yet at the breakdown no so I guess and the thing is I wouldn't say the England back row has any kind of like smart operators at but do you think kind of Watson and Ritchie and Bradbury, whilst they're all these kind of great athletes, do you think they're kind of missing kind of the noose of someone like a John Barkley who kind of yeah, yeah, I, understands kind of the breakdown that just that little bit better? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think they're quite sort of, those guys, are they probably play off quite a lot of like emotion and aggression. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just felt like, and it was difficult once again because... Watson's carrying game doesn't come to the fore in that sort of match, yeah. but it just felt as if twenty-one turnovers once again. How many did we get? We, I think it was only one turnover penalty. As a turnover penalty, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, you, you just expect a wee bit more, and, and maybe you're we're sort of thinking about twenty seventeen when we won like ten turnover penalties. But, yeah. Um, once again, I think it's a hard game to sort of read too much into. Thought about rewatching it, and I was like, I actually don't want to do that. <laughs> I rewatched. I didn't I re- watch the highlights. I rewatched the um, sort of like fifteen-minute period after halftime when we were in ascendancy. Yeah, and again, I was on a stag do, so the second half is a little bit blurry for me in yeah. details. I just remember being angry, being really sad. <laughs> yeah, <It's> frustrating. <laughs> I was in the Gilly Do. This is a complete tangent here. But the best thing about the Gilly Do is that there's a Greg's immediately opposite the yeah, road. Yeah, so there is. So yeah. you can go from I the... I thought t- you were about to say there's a Greg's in the Gilly no, Do. I not. was like, that is a game changer. <laughs> you're, top, you're, so you're watching the game on the top floor and you have to go all the way down to the basement to the toilets. So I was like, all right, here we go. I was like, oh, we Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> down to the toilet, Greg's, back up. It's a, fa- it's a fantastic setup. That is a good setup. Absolutely unreal. Um, so what do we think? Italy were not... Absolutely terrible against France. Well, I think first ten fifty minutes, I thought France were absolutely going to kill mm. them. Yeah, it did look that way. Yeah, um, and then France just kind of did do what France do. Still not sure France are that good. I think Dupont and Intermac are that yeah. good. That Villemsa guy had a very good game as well. And I think yeah, and um, he's just the kind of player Aldrit. Scotland need. Aldrit 
Yeah. Is yeah. exactly the player that Scotland is should... is the player yeah. Scotland needs. Yeah. <laughs> a back row of, with him and Mercer. That could have been... Could <laughs> what could have been? been? I know. So if you look at the rest of Scotland's tournament, you've got big game in Rome two weeks' time. Yep. And then France coming to Murrayfield and then finishing off down in Cardiff. I guess we we'll must win to... against Italy, and then yeah. what? You got to hope for a win against France at home. Yeah, I mean, I guess I this will make so. the Six Nations is interesting. I could just see a scenario where we lose all three, and I could see a scenario where we win all three. Yeah, because Wales aren't looking that good at the moment. Wales are not that good. I'm not sure. I say that. I'm not that. sure we're going to Cardiff to win. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Wales consistently be Alman Jones laughs in Scotland's face whenever he plays them. Wales are so average. I don't understand. They're not though. Their team, their front, their pack is so much better than ours. Maybe back row. What, you wouldn't have Wynn Jones in your team? Who, who's the other guy? Who else plays? No, Adam the, Beard, yeah, he's rubbish. But well, he beat, he, I don't think he's ever lost against Scotland, for instance. This is where... Even Wales, like Ken Owens, he wins games against Scotland for fun. Wales is like my kind of like shining light at the end of the tunnel. Because I actually don't think the player pool that Wales are picking from is that much stronger than Scotland. It definitely is. And We get pumped by them at age grade the whole time. Uh, we do go and play club games. I'm looking forward to these Super Six cross border games. I'm excited for it as well. Absolutely pumped. And I think with the right coach, with the right tactics, and with like five or six kind of key players, Wales have managed to win the Six Nations last year. This is why I said we should have got Gatland in and Sean Edwards. Yeah, and I think Scotland, hack, you know, are starting to have those players, those kind of key. There's a couple of positions probably missing. But with the right coach and the right tactics that are kind of set for that team, I feel like there's an opportunity at some point in the next couple of years to just get what, if you have the right set of fixtures. You've lost it. I've lost it, have I? You've lost your head. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just with Tune and everything. I'm just kind of, I don't know. It's been an an exhausting, you know, three or four months supporting Scottish rugby. Yeah. It's emotional. Hagabis to Kiera or whatever this storm is called. Is it Sierra, like the singer? I don't know. Or Kiara? Kiara. It's a school with a girl called Kiara, so maybe it's... Maybe, presumably it's named after named her. After her. Yeah. yeah, exactly, after her. Um, I don't know, we're rambling a wee bit here. No, I think look, looking ahead... Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I don't think we'll win that Wales game, but... Do you think we'll be Italy? I think Italy will be scenting blood. Like oh, this, if you're Italy, a Scotland team, Sergio all, Parise all is coming back. Sergio Parise is coming back. His last ever game in Rome. Maybe it's good. Is he actually? Is yeah. this not the game that he's doing? His is it not against England? Ceremony, or is it England? I think it's England. Why not do it against Scotland? I know. Might win. I know. I'll give you the extra five <laughs> percent. Yeah. I think Italy will be looking at Scotland, going, they're not so good. Maybe it helps that Italy aren't going straight off the back of that France game, which will probably take quite a lot of positives. Yeah, you've got like a two-week break. Scotland can just sort of like, you know, regroup. Yeah. Um, Who would you bring in for Johnny Gray? So in terms of fixtures, I imagine Exeter will have another game this weekend. Where's Richie Gray? Richie Gray's still in Toulouse. Still in Toulouse. Is he injured or is he? I actually don't know. I haven't been paying too much attention. Someone on Twitter said that he might be going through the return to play protocols at the moment. So Exeter playing away to Gloucester on Friday night. And then Toulouse are playing away to Racing on Sunday night. So Richie Gray versus Finn Russell on Sunday night. Which would be good fun. Lovely. Um, so it kind of feels like whoever is better out of those 
because Those ultimately two. there's not with Gilchrist. And they come straight into the squad, into I, the starting fifteen. I, I kind of think so. I think if Sam Skinner, Skinner would. plays well away to, at King's home, I think you've got to put, yeah, put him in that starting lineup. Yeah, I'm straight. Richie Gray probably not as much. Yeah, I, think, I still think they're not 100 percent decided on Richie Gray. I think potentially you have. I think probably maybe Gilchrist gets thrown into that starting team and Tulis stays on the bench. Yes, if if those guys don't come through. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If they don't come through, um, and I'm trying to think if there's any if there's anyone else really because obviously Edinburgh and Glasgow are playing, but I don't really can't really think of anyone. You know, no, gonna, no one's nobody sort of like that's sort of sitting there. Yeah, unless Finn Russell comes out and does a public apology video today, playing the second row. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, comes into to ten. Sorry, so you can think of like, other changes. Do you like that kind of like Tiger Woods style video? Maybe like black and white. The guy, another guy from BP after the yeah. after the Valdez yeah. spill. There's a lot of rash calls for Stuart Hogg to be dropped from uh, from the starting fifteen. You just can't. <laughs> you just, who gonna, mad. Mad. Sorry, I mean no. Rui Jack, Jackson in. Well, I mean Kinghorn in, but yeah, I do. There is something about Hogg where I do feel like almost the cap captaincy does kind of potentially detract from his performance. I like I like the passion and I like the intensity. Mm. But that moment that you mentioned against England, you know, that does feel like it's becoming rarer. Um, what, the moment of brilliance, you mean? Yeah, the moment of brilliance. And I think he just needs to try and kind of be patient and wait for those kind of opportunities. It mm. feels like he tries to do too much sometimes. Yeah. And he's yeah. trying too hard. Because, um, you know, he, he is, you know, naturally probably the second best player in Scott, you know, he is naturally by mm. a long way, the second best player in yeah. Scottish rugby. Um, but I do think he just is forcing just too much at the moment, but they're not going to change the captaincy, are they? No. And I don't think it's about changing the captaincy. I think it's probably just about him being comfortable with, you know, not being involved for like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. You know, but I think, as you said, the captaincy doesn't really help in that regard. Yeah. We don't doubt about it. Yeah. Oh, but then, yeah, I say you can't really doubt. I don't. I don't think you can doubt the commitment and character of that no. squad, which is, I think, the bare minimum. But maybe in some games over the past year, that it, it hasn't seemed hasn't that felt way. there. Yeah. What's the last thoughts on the big game? Glasgow Zebra Friday night. Glasgow Zebra. Scotston. <laughs> Scotston. Kind of forget. I saw there was a photo of I think that Jale Vallum Cornwall, whatever his name is. He was training. Was he Scotston? So. Every, he'll get a wee run out. I mean, I think Glasgow, I mean, they need to pump them. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Edinburgh's, Edinburgh playing Scarlet's down at, I think it's down at Parky Scarlet. Yeah, Park. on the Saturday. The thing, I think that Edinburgh have got pretty good strength and depth, though, for these kind of games. I was thinking Glasgow, they're going to have, like, Glasgow team Kebble, they're, probably gonna, they're gonna have Turner back. They've got Harley, Swinson, McKenzie, Gibbons, Wilson, maybe Ferguson coming back. McKenzie, what's his name? <laughs> who's, who's the uh, who's the other second row? Forgot his name. What? At uh, Glasgow. Oh, uh, McDonald. McDonald. Sorry, that's the one. I knew it was an MC. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a pretty strong pack. Oh, home against Zebra. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I think Edinburgh should. Can still pick, still pick like Schumann and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, are pretty strong. They should, and maybe Nell. So I think they well, should have enough. Matt's. It'd be good if they won that as well, just to sort of, 
you know consolidate that position think, top what, of the table. Matt, Matt Scott's been sitting on sitting on his arse for the last two weeks. Mark Bennett. Yeah. Scott and Bennett, you'd think Randy are gonna Mervin. play. Maybe Darcy Randy Graham Mervin. gets another run out at well, Darcy's still coming back from injury, so maybe we don't know how his what state he's state season. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, Edmund Glasgow should they should do well enough this weekend. Yes, Hoover up points at this time of year. Hopefully, right? Should we call it a day? We need to go to well, work. There's yeah. the one big one, which is the two. Is I'm trying to think like the battle of like evil, which is uh, Sony Bums v Nails on Saturday. Super six. Yeah, it's like orcs versus like the night walkers or whatever. white walkers. <laughs> the Valentine's Day Massacre. Valentine's yeah. Day Massacre. Is that Marside? At Marside, yeah. Jesus Christ. Is it on the Friday night? Uh, no, it's on Saturday. Oh. oh, maybe it is Friday night. I don't know. They tweeted us. They love a themed match. So imagine the, the some that, sort of... I, I, I thought, is it actually called the Valentine's Day Massacre? Because that would be sweet. <laughs> if it's not, whichever six, super sick marketing team... Get on it this They week. can have it. They can have yeah. it right now. I, c- I can't believe the nails are coming to my side two weeks after they tried to burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They tried to burn it to the ground, but they can't. But it's, <laughs> talk about resilience. Talk about something that will bring a team together. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. If you if you fancy some rugby this weekend, get yourself down to the Valentine's Day massacre. <laughs> it's going to be a belter. Right. right, let's go to work, lads. Um, we'll be back next week to preview the Italy game, where hopefully Scotland can save some face as a rugby nation. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.